Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. All right, let me start by apologizing. Uh, I am... What time is it? It's 11.30 right now on Friday morning. We were supposed to start recording by 9. And I completely lagged. So I am sorry, Turg, first and foremost. But uh, you can't bring me down today, man. I'm, I'm like super hyped. And I, I don't know if it's a combination of uh, of the coffee, my mom making uh, a, fr- a fresh loaf of banana nut bread, or my girl being in town. It's one of those three. There's or, magic in the air. All three, maybe. It is springtime. Yeah, man. So I'm. I mean, I, on the way here, I was, I was cruising, bro. And I had, I had that Kendrick bumping. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. <laughs> Can't say I relate there. Uh, you haven't listened to the album. Who? Okay. <laughs> nah, not a fan of Kendrick. Why? Good question. Maybe I just never had the time to actually pay attention to what the fuck he's trying to say. Well, his last three albums, none of them are, are sonically the same. So you might be interested in, in taking a look. Of the three, the, the the last one is my favorite, To Pimp a Butterfly. How do you pimp a... Okay. All right. To Pimp a Butterfly. That one, that's the one that just came out? No, the one that just came out is Damn. Like as in like Hoover Dam? Yes. Yes. I might actually give that one a listen. It's good. It's really good. It's a little more hip hop. Well, dams are a structural phenomenon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a little more hip hop than the last one. The last one had a lot more uh, jazz and funk influence. This has more traditional sample based hip hop hmm. uh, sounds. Like DJ Khaled. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite DJ. Apparently a Snapchat fucking guru. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Anyway, that's my line. Your line is, I have two things. Well, I always do have two things. Usually you only have one that you get to. Well, because someone always likes to derail me. So what do you want me to do about that? Kind of like now, huh? No. Staring at my chi. Was that, is that the thing above your door? I'm the Iron Fist. Oh, okay. Have you watched that? Netflix? No, I have not. Good is show. it good? Yeah, good show. Mm. So, anyway, the reason why I was late this morning was um, I didn't get home until 2. Because uh, my girl came in and, and she had a bunch of flight delays. Her flight was delayed two hours. What? Yeah, and, and the thing is... When it kept getting delayed, and then she she told me that they're, they're on the tarmac and the door's still open. I was like, okay, this is how it starts. And then they got pushed back. They got they just, the flight just kept getting delayed in thirty minute increments. What do you mean the door was still open? So the, they were they were on the plane, but the door was open, so people could technically be removed or leave the plane still. Oh yeah, when they were um, boarding still, basically. boarding yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I was like, this is how it starts. The delays are happening. They're gonna start asking people to leave. They haven't closed the door, so people may be forcefully let. I asked her, I was like, how down are you to get us some vouchers, though? <laughs> Forget, vouchers would be like the least, right? Yeah. I think you'd settle for a pretty good sum of money. Yeah, you hear, yeah. That, hear that dude uh, settled out of court with United? 
Yeah, undisclosed amount. Crazy. Probably a couple million. I hope it would be more. Corporations don't value human dignity, so I don't know. They're just trying to avoid a PR fallout. Like, hey, don't. You yeah, know, so they don't. They by don't, signing this, you can't say anything else about your experience. <laughs> therefore, they, you know, he has a choice of what his, not say his dignity is worth, but what this experience is worth to him. Yeah, let's just hope he was smart about it. I mean, he's a doctor, right? Doesn't mean shit. <laughs> Book smart does not equate to street smart. They cannot teach you how to fucking negotiate a settlement after you get forcefully pulled off a fucking plane. And that shit goes viral on social media. You have a concussion. In med school. Okay. I think I might be a little kind of on to something there. Like a new a new course curriculum for med students? Yeah. Oh, okay. We could draft <laughs> something up. I can pitch it. <laughs> Street smarts for med students. All right. How not to get the shit kicked out of you on your United flight. <laughs> and then did you see the mother on the, uh, was it? I didn't, but I heard American Airlines. It. No. Uh, got hit in the face. Okay. Got hit in the face with a stroller as she was trying to place the stroller in the overhead bins. And the flight attendant was trying to forcefully tug it out of her hand. And I guess he ended up taking it away and popped her in the face. She had her kid in her arms, almost hit the kid, right? Whoa. She was just bawling. And they show you the tail end of the video where, where she's just bawling, and I guess the altercation already happened. This guy gets up out of his seat. He's like, I want the name of that fucking guy. The guy that, that hit her. You can't do that. Something like that. He just gets up and tries to play, like, hero card. I don't know if it was genuine or whatnot. Yeah. Or if he knew someone was recording. He's, he's like, like here, oh, shit, Here, what's film up? this. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get down right now. <laughs> I think he actually... I think I think goes to blows. He's like, I'm about to get all our flights for free right now. Hold up. <laughs> Hold my Watch phone. Yeah. <laughs> Press record. The red button. That's insane, man. That's the, the, the why are tensions so high right now? Don't know. Don't know. But this is the world with forty six. Five. Or is he? <laughs> so the month of May is gonna be uh a pretty important month for a lot of people, right? Why? Oh, graduation. Graduation. Mm-hmm. Cinco de Mayo. Ah. Uh, right. You're so sweet. It's my holiday as much as yours. <laughs> okay. We live in the United States, for fuck's sake. It shouldn't even be a holiday. What else do we got in May? My wife's birthday. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Special day. Our old... Uh, anniversary used to be in may when we first met do you celebrate no previous anniversaries now that you have a new anniversary date no too much to or a legal anniversary date now legal yeah it's all about the legal one but uh, the month of may is going to be something special for us too because we're going to talk about something that is kind of the crux of growing up right Mm -hmm. throughout our childhood we almost search for something we're always asked things what do you want to be when you grow up who do you want to be when you grow up who do you idolize who are your role models all these things and we don't realize how much that actually plays a part into our development as adults did i ever tell you a story about how my parents were really worried about me as a kid because i i was enamored by the trash man and like i'd wake up i'd wake up really early have my pop tart and sit in the window and watch them go by 
and then the thing that I think that put put them over the edge was that I would go uh, to the grocery store and I'd stand on the side of the cart, and when we needed something, I'd go and I toss it in like it was trash into the bin. <laughs> so your your role model was the trash guy. <laughs> yeah, that's that was my Terrifying. aspirations in like preschool. <laughs> You're aiming high. Well, actually, you know what? They make a lot. They make a lot more than people with college degrees nowadays. <laughs> I don't. I don't doubt that. It's fucked up, but it is a noble profession. No doubt about that. That's interesting you say that. I don't really think I could think back to anything where I did something like that. I could have. Like, I mean, I always knew I wanted to do something where I was recognized for it. Hmm. Right? Kind of in like the... I, I, I don't know. This is hard for me to, to, to kind of put into perspective because I don't really know what I wanted to be, but I loved music and I loved kind of the the art behind it but right. i also love the fact that you were kind of out there you know and you were exposed to people and you were changing people's lives so with that came kind of like the realization that i wanted to be i guess famous right mm-hmm. growing up and everyone kind of wants to be famous but i was like legit like i wanted to be famous yeah but i i don't know i i you know you have to put forth the effort and the energy to do it and i was just kind of a it's kind of like a lazy kid i I was very lazy (laughs) i didn't want to do things it's like it's too much work to be famous see i I was the opposite (laughs) i i was intrigued by the idea of fame but only as a performer i didn't have any concept of how much it would impact your life as far as like privacy goes and how many people like have a say and well we didn't know the world was going to turn into this no you know i mean in days past you could be a celebrity and live a completely normal life. Yeah, just don't ride the tiny plane like Richie Valens. Ba la 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 bamba. Okay. No? Uh, it's it's bada bailar la bamba. Whatever. <laughs> That's what I hear when I hear bamba. Horrible. Oh. Bada bailar la bamba. Yeah. <laughs> what? makes sense now oh okay you just connected the dots just connected the dots with the advent of social media and a lot of the uh, you know transfer of information people's privacy is completely invaded and i guess now thinking back to it okay let's say i was a child celebrity my life right now would be a complete fucking train wreck right nine out of the ten child celebrities are fucked up now and that's terrifying I mean, okay, that's not an accurate statistic by any means of the statistic. But you ha- you have an idea like Mary-Kate Nolson, uh, Britney Spears. Um, what happened to Mandy Moore? Didn't she die of, like, anorexia? or Mandy Moore? She's, like, doing big things right now with... Uh, she was hot. This Is Us. Who? This Is Us, the show. Oh, my... Yeah, my wife watches that show. It's Mandy Moore. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, she's still pretty cute. Yeah, she's mm. doing good things with the acting. Good. Good for her. And, and a walk and to remember. So it's <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Right. <laughs> I think I saw that like three times with three different girls in high school. I've never seen it. I'm sorry. I was lying. It was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but she was uh she was a cultural, you know, influence growing up. But going back to the the whole notion of b- being famous and all that, it was obviously just so far out, like no one ever says, oh, I'm going to be famous and then, you know, gets there, right? It's mm-hmm. always one of those things that, you know, you strive for it, you work at it, you get there, 
but you earned it. It's not like it just fucking happens. You don't switch on a light switch. So yeah. with that being said, how how have things changed for you? Like from growing up and your expectations, like I wanted to be famous, you wanted to be a trash man. You're obviously <laughs> not a trash man right now, right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not famous. I mean, as a kid, I, I did, when you were talking about that, I distinctly remember now they're like embarrassing moments. I think I had like third or fourth grade and I went to a small school. So I had a, a couple of friends. There were a set of twins, Bobby and Brianna, where they, I'd go home with them until my parents got off of work. And I remember one day the, 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 the mom asked me like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to be a singer. I've been practicing. And I had okay. the, the Lion, Lion King soundtrack uh-huh. on tape uh-huh. and I had the lyric book and uh-huh. all that stuff. Uh-huh. And then she made me perform for them. And I remember doing it. I was just like, looking back, I was like, I wonder how bad I really was trying to do this. I wish we had like camera phones back then. <laughs> right. I'm glad we did not Cause that was horrible. And I remember, I remember trying to be in the church choir in, in elementary school. And, and this, this one dude, he was a pretty good singer. His name was like Jason Liu, one of my friends from, from uh, elementary school. And he's like, please don't pick Randy. Please don't put him in. And guess where I stood? Right next right. to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. So you, that obviously changed, okay? You went from wanting to be a trash man to wanting to be a singer. Right. It's very pol- that's very polar opposite. I mean, but that's, that's you know, the La Bamba influence. You know, and that's the, probably the first time I saw someone that looked like me. And I, I don't think I realized it at the time, seeing somebody on, on a main stage like that. Even though, you know, the, Richie Valens was was hot like wait you know decades before but in the 80s when they did the remake not the remake the biopic yeah, yeah. Uh, that was like my first real exposure I used to watch that thing on repeat it's kind of sad it it was it was but I had a three quarter size guitar and my dad played and so like I would you know mimic what he's doing I'd get on the fireplace and I tried to like play and sing and I got that just something I always did and I just really enjoyed I thought I could do it and I was well if I just keep going I'm, I'm eventually get better I never got better no it's Sometimes it's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my playing got better. My writing got pretty good, but I could never hold them. Like, even now, if, if I'm in a, in, when I was in a session, because this is when I was really working with a lot more artists and doing songwriting sessions, I would have to partner with somebody that could hear the melody. Because mm. I could hear it, but I could not repeat it. Mm. So I could write it, and I could write the melody, and then I, okay, well, how does it sound? Uh, uh no, 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 no. No, no, no. I can't do it. Well, little do our listeners know that we do kind of like a uh, karaoke-esque type thing at the end of each show where what? we both sing. But for some reason, my vocals always make it on and yours somehow disappear. It's like the hidden tracks. Like It's going to be like the uh, Prince's Vault. It's going to be like 10,000 hours of fucking Randy singing that you're never going to hear. Yeah. But they're there. They're, Trust me, they're, they're, they're there. They're not there. I'm sitting in wonderment like... <laughs> Why are you singing right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one that sings. Sometimes. So it went from trash man, yeah, singer, s- to wanting singer, to be uh, La Bamba. And to starting to know my place and what my strengths were. In, uh, in high school, I remember I had gone through a bout of injuries. I think in one season, I tore my calf. I tore a ligament in my knee. Uh, and then I did something else. I can't remember. But anyway, my season was done my junior year. Kind of a way of sending you a message that yeah. maybe you weren't cut out for this. <laughs> right. So so I had wrote this song called Seasons Come, Seasons Go. And and I, I wrote it and then I actually debuted it in uh, our senior year talent show. I did it with two other people in this group that because we were in the same econ class, my friend Melissa and Antonio, and we were called Total Revenue. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking 
<laughs> yeah, oh, right. Um, but I mean, we, we had a couple a couple of songs that we had did. We did the the uh, the senior talent show, and everybody loved it. They thought it was about like high school and and moving on and all these different things and, and growing and this and that. I was like, oh no, it's just that was my just, thoughts about my season just passed and econ. No, seasons isn't like baseball seasons. Like <laughs> that's what the song was about. Next thing I know, I mean, that's how I met Cliff. Cliff came up to me after that, and he's like, "Yo, that song was hot, but you gotta let me flip it because I know you don't know what to do with it." And I was like, "I, I, I surely don't." So yeah, maybe I we surely should. don't, good sir. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. But, you know, you can definitely help me, right? And then uh, change your life. Cliff changed my life. Yeah, and then the uh, the the choir teacher, Mr. Schubert. Um, he helped me write a bridge and make it like a full song. And he's like, so what would you think about our, the, our, our, our the high school choir singing this at graduation? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Does that mean I have to play it? I don't want to do that. And I chickened out. And like, that was my shot to really get out there as a performer. And I chickened out. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. That was kind of like the quintessential point, turning point in your life. That, that sucks. So, Okay. So, what if you had done it? Oh, maybe yeah, you'd I don't be famous by now. I don't think so. You're probably right. I'm probably right. Yeah. Um, at, at that point, though, I had decided I was going to pursue a career in medicine and go, to, you know, go to college and and do that whole thing. And that was short lived. Well, okay, so you didn't grow up wanting to be a doctor, but all of a sudden you wanted to become a doctor. I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with how much time I spent in the hospitals growing up. Like with my issues with asthma and allergies, as a kid, I was in the test group for uh, Claritin before it was even like FDA approved. Okay. And so between that and then I was one of the early adopters of having a breathing machine, a breathing treatment machine in, in home. Like the CPAP? Uh, I don't know what it's called anymore. Yeah, anyway, I, don't, I don't use it. It's not a very attractive. I just remember it was called uh, albuterol is what I was getting. The what? Albuterol as far as the medication goes. Doesn't sound safe. Probably not. It sounds like asbestos to me. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So I just exposed to that, and then going through all the different uh, treatments for like physical therapy and doing my rehab for my knee, uh, trying to get back for my senior year because they told they, they said you know it's better to have surgery and you know then continue playing. And I was like, I think I'm only going to play my senior year of high school, and that's it. I don't think I'm that good enough to go on. So I, I opted out of not having surgery and. So I learned all the different things that I would have to do with my body to be able to be able to play the following year without having surgery and having a partially torn PCL. Ooh. But in that whole experience, that's where I was exposed to like the sciences and treatment and healthcare. And I think that's where uh, the idea kind of came from as far as getting involved in, in, in medicine. That Between that and then I also went to a high school, my first high school, where you had to pick a path. And it was either... Oh, I hate that. It was either business or health sciences and i I was like well i know nothing about business i'm not good at math so i'm gonna do the health sciences <laughs> yeah easy right right easier that's that sounds easy that's the stupidest mistake little did you know at all so obviously you're not a doctor no not a doctor but I mean, between the sciences itself just being something i just had no desire of putting myself through and then realizing i need more immediate gratification i like to build things I like to create things I like to see what i've done at the end of the day and when i was shadowing because uh, it, it ended up downgrading from from medicine to or, or from a doctor to to PA, right? Did I tell you that? No. Because I, I did all this research and I was like, oh man, doctors have to do the be on call and they have to you know do all these different things and residency and all these years and the PA is just two years of school and then you can work nine to five and help people and go home. I was like, I'd rather do that. 
Damn. Yeah, but then I realized, uh, no you know, prestige. I didn't care. It's okay. Not, yeah. So you weren't after that. No. You just wanted to be a doctor, to legitimately help people. Yeah. But the That's issue. Weird. No what? doctor in the history of medicine has ever done that. Most are. Ever. Most are. Doctors are business people. Most are not. Google it. I'm in it every day. No, you're not. I am. I am. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the one thing I really realized about working in a, a doctor's office, at least in, in a family care, primary care setting, is that people only come in at their worst. They're not happy to see you. They're not excited. They're always, there's something wrong, right? And a lot of times, you're not going to fix it during that appointment. You're going to find the treatment or find solutions, but they're still leaving in pain relatively or in, in distress. Yeah, the best part about that is the copay. <laughs> Business. Okay. Well, that bothered me because like, I, I would still feel helpless. You know, just watching, like, we, there's nothing more we can do. Like, they're still, you know, hurting or whatever the case is. And, and that just bothered me. I just couldn't stand the idea of, you know, if, if, if it worked and it, the treatment was successful, you wouldn't see them. So you wouldn't get the validation or you wouldn't get the confirmation of it. Uh, and you only saw them again if it didn't work out. I hear that. And so that just didn't work f- well for my personality type. Yeah. Who was I talking about that with the other day? Uh, I think it was some coworkers of mine and how like, you know, hospitals just feel like it's so impersonal, you know, um, not only that, but they're not really trying to get to the root cause sometimes. Sometimes they genuinely are not. It's well, like, I mean, that, you know, that goes into a lot of different things yeah. with, with the business of healthcare. So it's not so much the business of being a physician, but the insurance right, that comes right. behind it. But well, it kind of goes hand in hand. But any, any now it does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're not a doctor, didn't like working in a doctor's office. But you work with medical students. I work with pre-med students. Every day. Every day. Pre-med, pre-dent, well, the whole night. you're not, you know. Traveling or doing other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was at a loss once I was, you know, in school. It's weird because I always felt like I had a plan, something I was working on. I didn't necessarily know how I was going to get there or what it was going to look like. But I always had something I was working towards. Right. So when I didn't have uh, like a career objective, so to speak, like I'm no longer going PA, I'm no longer going pre-med, what am I going to do? Uh, I, I toyed with the idea of doing, um, I, I think I told you this, right? We're talking to my grandpa and he's like, you should go to military after undergrad, do 20 years and be a lawyer and then do the soldier to teacher program and become a teacher for another 20 years. So what? by the time you're 60, you have three pensions. And No. Yeah, that was like one of my other goals. Well, I, I think we talked about that very high level, uh, primarily because I remember the pension mention. Hey, <laughs> a completely unintentional rhyme. The pension mention. The pension mention. The pension mention. Sounds like a song of Sesame Street. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I would say more so the Schoolhouse Rock, but or, yeah. Schoolhouse. Oh, there, there you go. Yeah. Wasn't that a part of... Uh, I don't think so. I thought it was. Okay, anyway. So obviously... Do you the hear time, that? Huh? Do you hear that? In the headset? I couldn't make it out. No, no, no. Do you hear what it is? The garbage truck. Oh, <laughs> let's be quiet and get it. Hey folks, the garbage truck is here. <laughs> Randy went, he ran outside. I did, I did he ran not. outside to go look at it and, and waved to the trash truck. <laughs> like vehemently, like his fucking arm was like flailing. <laughs> no. Your grandfather had the right idea. However, when we were, I, I guess really you can say this about any generation. When, when you grow up, when you go through like 10, 20, 30, 40 years, Shit's going to change. Yeah. Teacher pensions went away. Military got a lot more strict with how they disperse. It, it completely changed. Minimums, yeah. And, and 
certain ways. Um, even 20 years isn't enough now, mm. you know, for some people. Yeah. Crazy, right? How yeah. that could have been a viable solution. Right. And yet, at the, you know, drop of a hat, it's all gone. Yeah. You know, so we, we really had to account for that, mm -hmm. right, growing up. So how did that impact you in terms of, you know, what you chose to do and where you are now? Um, well, actually, after I stopped playing baseball, I was still in shape. So that's why I started actually entertaining conversations with a recruiter. Um, and the rec same recruiter that my friend Ray used. But the conversations stopped abruptly. And actually not on my, on my account, but by the recruiter's account after my friend Ray passed away in, uh, in Iraq. So that avenue just kind of closed uh -huh. and I, and I just never had the desire to, to pick it back up. And I still talk to my cousins about doing the reserves with them, you know, that, you know, one week in a month, two weeks a year, 20 years for that. And then you'll get free healthcare for your family afterwards for, for, you know, the duration of yeah whatever. Yeah, unless you're not deployed within those 20 years, which is highly unlikely. Right. Well, I don't know right now, but yeah, one of my employees is getting deployed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, it sounds so horrible. We were, we were looking into it and we we're like, well, you know, the Coast Guard is also considered a branch of the military, but they're under the Homeland Security and they're not activated unless Congress declares war. So the best route would be Coast Guard Reserves. National Guard got called. But Coast Guard did not. Uh, Coast Guard hardly, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But they still get all the benefits of, of, of all the veteran benefits. Anyway. anyway, so that left me with no real career objectives and uh you know i actually went and talked to my neighbor uh his name was marv and he was a he was an old dude out of uh south carolina so he had that old southern draw does he look like the guy from um home alone i don't marv no 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 not like him well, I cut that he, was, he was he was <laughs> he was a g though he would uh he would ride like 30 miles a day on his bike in like in his 60s he recently passed away in the last few years, but oh. we had we were sitting on his porch because that's what he did when he was retired. And I remember as a kid, I used to ask him, "So, Marv, what what, what did you do?" He's like, "I was a pirate." He had a bunch of tattoos, and he had one on his ankle for like the the ball and chain for when he got married. But he was in the navy, so because you're looking at me crazy, like, "What? Where's the pirate thing going?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> as a kid, I thought he was a pirate. So, so anyway, he had a lot of maritime memorabilia around his house. So I just assumed he was telling me the truth as a kid. Hmm. Anyway, I got older, found out the truth. No big deal. <laughs> he uh, lied. <laughs> right. Son of a bitch. But anyway, I was, you know, I was, I was telling him, I was like, you know, he's like, so what are you doing? How's school going? And I was just like, you know, it's, it's good. I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, that's when we had this really, it was just an off the cuff conversation. And he said, well, what if you look at it from a different perspective? What if you look at it from the sense of wh what have you hated the most about what you've experienced? And it was around the time that I had just been diagnosed with a learning disability. And a lot of things started to make a lot more sense as to why I struggled so much in school okay. and why I didn't like school and I did not have, I didn't have like a good experience, you know, with, with throughout the educational system. Yeah, sure. Right. Cause it made me feel a lot more dumb than I, than I, than I was just because I couldn't navigate the standardized tests. Tests. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> now it all makes sense. <laughs> I couldn't navigate the standardized tests. So my immediate response was education. That was the thing that I hated the most. And he's like, well, if that's what you hate the most, it seems that like you have a passion for it. So why not put some more energy in pursuing a career in that and help people that are like you? I would view it the exact opposite because I would kind of take it to the point where 
you were so frustrated with where you were at that you didn't you wouldn't want to pursue it, right? You wouldn't want to go after it and say, "Hey, you know what? Look, look what I'm doing. This because I've been defeated by this fucking thing so many times." I mean, I could, but that's just never the approach I've taken with anything. Even with like music, getting into it in the way I created my label, it was based around me changing the dynamics of things as far as how artists were treated in the industry and how contracts were developed and how deals were were made. Although I wasn't as successful as I I, I wanted to be, I still think the change and the ideas are now present and a lot more common today than they were when we started. But that's neither here nor there, but that's just the approach I've always taken. Things that bother me the most are where I spend the most time trying to change it. So that was kind of like a mentality that you developed that whole, that changed your whole trajectory, essentially. Yeah. And where you're at right now is reflective of that. Absolutely. Huh. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. How do you think your 10-year-old self would talk to your 30-year-old self right now if, if he could see you now? I mean, my 10-year-old self, that had to have been 95. And I was still probably enamored by the Sandlot. <laughs> Forever. And, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think at, even at that age, only thing I thought about as far as what adult life would look like is having a job and then having a family. Hmm. Having a job because I know you had to have a job. But you didn't necessarily know why. Yeah. And then just having a family because that's what I grew up with and that was my experience. Mm. And, I, you know, now I, I think I'd, I, as a 10-year-old, I'd probably still be a little confused as to why I'm missing one. <laughs> that would kind of be difficult. Yeah. But that would be I, – I think my 10-year-old self would be excited about the, the things that I've experienced, especially within music and the arts and entertainment. Sure. But then, you know, going into that, the whole legacy factor, you know, not having a family, not having a wife. That was something that was so fundamental to my my goals and, and aspirations. And then to be at 30 and like, yeah, well, you know, it's not necessarily a priority right now. That's not you. It's everybody. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people. It's right? circumstantial, uh-huh. partially. More times than not, we are victims of circumstance and the circumstance just so happened to, I guess... Fall off the fucking cliff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are these are the it's the hand I was dealt, and this is that's all you could do. Yeah. So where you're at right now? Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you here right now? Why are we recording this podcast right now? Why are you pursuing so many side ventures aside from your primary? You know, your nine to five. It was. I think it started with once I realized that. It was something that was attainable because for the longest time, I never pursued a career outside of something that was stable or traditional or secure because I just, one, didn't know how to get into it or two, didn't think it would be something that was sustained over the long period of time. But once I kind of started breaking it down and seeing how I could make it attainable for myself, it was kind of one of those things, you know, once I realized I could, I just did it. And and I just keep doing it. And now it becomes even easier for me to get into other avenues because I can break it down with the same kind of process that I broke down getting into music. So you have a template established already. And that template was based off the foundation of your childhood, really, in essence, right? Your inspiration. <laughs> it your all goes back to La Bamba. La Bamba moment. <laughs> My La Bamba moment. I, I suppose, man. I, I mean, that movie was just, I just wanted to be able to, I don't know. 
We all have our own model that does that, though. It's a catalyst. We don't necessarily need to understand it or internalize it. It's kind of an innate part of our being. Yeah. Right? You had that cultural icon that just stood out at you, and you are like, I can do it. Yeah. Right? And that was it. That's all you needed. It's yeah. like a proof of concept kind of thing. Well, if he could do it. I could do it. I could do it. Yeah. Why can't I do it? Yeah. And I think, you know, as you get older, you start to learn more, and then you get discouraged because you know too much and know yeah. that it's kind of not realistic. Uh, but then at a certain point, you just have to have the audacity to just say, you know, fuck it. I'm going for it. And this is how I think it's going to work. You know, I read a lot of books. I did a lot of research on before I jumped in. But once I did and I saw like, this isn't that difficult, it's really just going to come down to how hard I'm going to or how hard I'm going to work and how much I'm going to put into it. It was just, it was a no brainer to do it just to start and see what happens. You really, like, yeah, you really had nothing to lose too. I had nothing to lose. I mean, I have invested a lot of money over the last like ten years, but different artists and stuff like that. But water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. <laughs> or shall I say, money thrown out of a suitcase that traveled under that bridge. Yeah, you know, it was funny. I was thinking of an analogy on the way here. Like, I burned a quarter tank of gas in the last eight hours for for no driving oh, from home LAX yeah, back then yeah. here. Mm. And I was like, that's like going to a strip club and just not giving a fuck about whether it's a two-for-one dance or not. Just throwing money out the window. You know what? I've, I've put things like that into perspective before. <laughs> not quite the strip club analogy, which is very odd, by the way. I don't know why I was thinking about that. Very <laughs> odd. But I, I've kind of juxtaposed that, which helps me actually make more educated decisions. Like, okay, well, you know what? If I'm going to take this $1,000 and blow it off on some bullshit over here, mm -hmm. I could take it and try and grow it, you know, in some kind of investment, a venture, someone I believe in or, you know, something yeah. like that. Mm, yeah. Perspective. It's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> it is. Were you trying to do the unison thing? I was, and then I just let it's it go. It's all a matter of perspective. perspective. Fuck millennials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. Actually, it didn't take us long to get that one down. The fuck millennials. Yeah, we got that down in like the first, within the first 10 minutes. Perspective was. I think 10 minutes was overshooting. Natural. It was, yeah. You've heard a lot about Randy today. He's told the story. He's walked us through a lot of examples as to why he's formed the mentality that he has today and has kept his motivation level at where it's at. And next week, we're going to dive into Turk's story and his background and finding his motivations and learning more about what brought him to the point as to where he is today. So if you want to continue this conversation with us, Randy, where can the people find you? You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy Z. And you can find me at Turg Says No on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. Peace. He got me. <laughs> he got his motherfucker. <laughs>
You cannot put that <laughs> anywhere on the internet. I didn't get a cup of water. I figured you helped yourself to the juice, you can help yourself to the fucking water. <laughs> Being a good host goes completely out the door. You're reaching into my refrigerator to get my juice. So I'm like, alright, this guy's gonna do it. I'm not fucking giving him anything. Figure it out. No juice. I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this.